0: Welcome to the Every Nation Taipei Podcast. We're here to help you know God, discover your purpose, grow in your relationships, and make a difference in Taipei, Taiwan, and beyond. We hope this message encourages you today. So we are... Doing this series called Living Forward, which talks about just the ways that the journeys of life shape and mold our lives. And we began last week with a testimony, uh, two weeks ago actually, we we talked about Jesus' first uh, solo journey that he went on and how that shaped his identity how his identity was tested, tried, and revealed uh, in that solo journey into the the wilderness. And then um, last week, we had a powerful testimony uh, from uh, Pastor Timothy and his wife, Ruth. They shared, and because of the the nature of the work that he does, we won't be able to uh, post that message, but uh, you can read his book, and you can actually find his book, which is really his testimony, is online on Amazon. You can buy it through there, and, uh, and you'll get a lot more detail Of all the different journeys that God has taken him from the corporate world, uh, with the private jets, to the mission world, to underground, to prison, to um, just kind of Europe, Asia, America, just all over. uh, And uh, fascinating stories of how how his journey has shaped his life. And then today we're going to talk about um, going back to the Bible. Throughout this series, we're kind of going back and forth to just individual testimonies, uh, how God has shaped individuals in our church, their lives through the journeys that they've taken. Next Sunday, we have Mark and Anne, who've been gone for a year and a half, but they're gonna come back and really share their testimony. Many of you uh, may have not heard their testimony, they're gonna share that, and uh, it's gonna be powerful, just the ways that God has shaped their lives and the journeys that they've taken. Uh, And then we're kind of going back and forth between scripture, where we look at uh, the story of a journey of someone in scriptures, uh, and just the, the lessons that we learn from that. And so we can impact lessons from God from both the testimonies and scriptures and the testimonies of lives that, uh, through whom God is living today. And uh, so it's going to be a, a fun summer as we go through that. Uh, after that, let's see, after Mark and Ann share, then I think we have Kevin Nah, who was formerly the, the leader of the congregation here. He and his wife are going to come and they're going to share their story and uh, they've certainly lived forward and have, have journeyed and, and really um, given their lives to the Lord and seen God do, do great things through their lives. So that's also going to be a fun time uh, and, then, uh, and then I think I'm back after that or... Something, yeah. Anyway, it's going to be fun. It's a fun summer. <laughs> but let's get on with today. Um, today, we're, 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 I want to start off with just our theme scripture for this series that we're in, Living Forward. It's from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, uh, 18, and it says, your life is a journey. You must travel with a deep consciousness of God. And really, that's the life we were intended to live, this constant constant consciousness of God in our lives the truth the biblical truth is that God is everywhere God is always with us God never leaves us but it's our consciousness of him and allowing him to have an impact in our lives is really what makes the difference so first Peter chapter 118 that's kind of like our theme verse uh, for this series here's a quote Um, you know as as I've been studying this um, this I found that there's books called there, there's a book called Living Forward, uh, which was written by Michael Hyatt, who's kind of like the online life coach, coach guy. I guess he's very famous. I have not read anything by him. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't know he wrote this book, but it was a bestseller. Uh, and so um, I want to say we named, we named the series after him, but that would be lying because I didn't know the book existed. Uh, but, but here's a quote by Soren Kierkegaard, who's one of those guys who's really smart Uh, And every time I read his stuff, I got to wrestle with it before I begin to start to understand it. So I don't read much of his stuff because it just hurts my brain. But here's something he said. He said, life is best understood looking backwards. That means a lot of times we can't really connect the dots in our life except by looking backwards and saying, oh, I see now the purpose and how these different things lined up. And that's why journaling in our lives and keeping a diary uh, is really actually a way to, to get the best wisdom out of your life it gives you an opportunity to evaluate your life and look back over it and begin connecting the dots. That's why he says, life is best understood looking backward, but it is best experienced looking forward. In other words, getting the most out of life is when we begin to anticipate life and we begin to live with an expectation of good happening in our lives. As we begin to live forward, embracing all that life brings, that we get the most out of life. But our understanding of life comes oftentimes by looking backwards. And so that's kind of what this, this series is about. It's about looking backwards at both testimonies of people in the Bible who've been on journeys, hearing the stories of people's lives, because as they share their life testimony, it's kind of like a looking backwards to grab, to, to take lessons out of our lives. And so we can learn from them, but the purpose of learning from them is not just to say, oh, what an interesting life. Well, that was a great story. it's very entertaining. Um, Sounds so exciting. But rather to to take out the the lessons from each testimony, from each life, whether it's a Bible character or someone who's living out the Bible today, and to say, now, how does that apply to my life? How do I live forward, take these things, and then... Put them into my life. That's what living forward is. I take the lessons I'm learning and I live forward. I put them into my life and living according to those lessons. And so today we're going to look at another. One of our Bible characters, we're going to look at the life of Joseph. Quick overview, we're just going to look at the challenges that we faced. Looking at Joseph, we're going to look at some of the challenges in life that he faced, which you're going to discover are very similar to the challenges that all of us face. And then we're going to see how challenges make champions. Or how, as we embrace these challenges, how do we embrace challenges in a way that causes us to triumph in life rather than get knocked back and knocked down. Because some people, whenever challenges come in our, in our lives, sometimes our natural response is just to sort of draw back or get discouraged or get overwhelmed. But when we begin to respond correctly, our challenges are actually what shape the, the, the positivity, the, 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 the excellence in our lives. There's never been a great athlete who hasn't overcome great difficulties. There's never been a great championship team that didn't learn to overcome challenges because it's a part of shaping who we are. And so we're going to learn how do we face challenges in a way that causes us to get the heart of a champion. And so there's a scripture here that that kind of gives a, a, a synopsis of Joseph's life. In Acts chapter 7, looking at verses 9 and 10, it says, These patriarchs were jealous of their brother Joseph, and they sold him to be a slave in Egypt. Now when it talks about these patriarchs, it's really talking about Joseph's brothers because they were the, the, each of them, each of them were were like the the fathers of tribes in the nation of Israel, what became the nation of Israel. And so they're looked at as patriarchs, but back in in the days, and we look at Joseph's story, we're gonna see them just as his brothers. Uh, And they sold him into slavery, okay, in Egypt, but God was with him, and rescued him from all his troubles so we're going to look at how does that happen how do we face troubles what are the troubles that Joseph faced and how is it that God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles let's pray Heavenly Father as we look into the life of Joseph today Lord as it was we, we look back I pray that your spirit would give us understanding Lord, that we would draw the principles out of his experiences that we could then apply to our lives. Lord, that that we would take those principles and begin to live forward with them, applying them to the challenges that we face. And Father, as always, our our deep prayer is that today as we go through the, the, the word together, that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and that your Holy Spirit would begin to change and transform us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, so today, number one, the first part we're gonna look at, at challenges that we face, okay? Looking at the life of Joseph. And the first challenge that we face, number one, is conflict, okay? Conflict is the first challenge that we face. So looking in in Genesis chapter 37, we're gonna kind of take a run through Joseph's life. His life spans 14 chapters so we're not going to we're not going to go very in-depth into all into into his life but we'll look at the different challenges and then we'll draw the lessons all right so it's just a look back over some of the highlights but genesis chapter 37 beginning in verse 2 it says this is the account of jacob and his family when joseph was 17 years old now joseph was a son of jacob he was the 11th son of jacob big families back in those days um when and he was Joseph. Uh, Joseph was Jacob's favorite. When Joseph was seventeen years old, he was he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half brothers, the sons of his father's wives Bilhah and Zilpah. Now, um, Jacob had four wives, so yeah, talk about uh, a um, blended family back in the day. Uh, and and so he had all these half brothers uh, of the ten other brothers. They were all half-brothers. Then he later on had a younger brother who was his full brother. But so he lived in this blended family. And blended families come with their challenges, right? And so Joseph grew up in, in a, a blended family, and you'll see some of the dysfunction that was in his family. Uh, my family is not a blended family, but we have our share of dysfunction as well, like most families. You know? we, just, we, we, we all carry baggage, stuff with us. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brother were doing. So Joseph, he's a bit of a tattletale. All right? He's uh, the brother who just, you know, oh, I'm telling dad, I'm telling dad what you did. That's Joseph, all right? So um, that's probably why he had conflict with his brothers. Some conflict that we get into, we cause ourselves, right? You know, we like to think of ourselves as, I'm always the, I'm the good guy. Everyone should love me. I don't cause anybody trouble. But the truth is, all God's people bring trouble to others. It's just part of our, you know, it's just who we are. Uh, we we have our failures. We have the junk in our lives. You know, if you have a, a few days, I could sit down and just go with you through all the junk in my life and the times I've failed and failed others. And, and uh, um, yeah, so. I'm sure some of you could, could spend a few hours as well. So I love that the Bible brings that out about Joseph, that uh, he wasn't all that either. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So there's another problem. You ever had a parent who played favorites? You know, and it just causes a conflict amongst the siblings when a parent just chooses one to favor over the others. And so Joseph, now here we see already two things that are bringing conflict into, into Joseph's family. He's a tattletale and he's, uh, he's the daddy's pet. You know, he's daddy's favorite. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. So now we're just kind of putting it in, in the, into the face of the brothers and saying, not only is he my favorite, but I'm gonna give him special gifts that none of the rest of you get. Um, and that can cause tr- trouble, right? I, I, I don't have any kids, but I have some nieces and nephews. And I know every time we get them Christmas gifts or birthday gifts, uh, my brothers and sister would always say, now you got to get them even gifts, all right? When you buy them gifts, they have to kind of be not the same, but they have to be even. Otherwise, we're going to have a fight Christmas morning. It's like, really? Uh, and, and it was the same here. You know, just, you know, everybody wants a gift that's different from someone else, but just as good, right? So good luck in guessing, um, but his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. You ever been that around people who just not, could never say a kind word about someone else? Just, you know, once that offense starts to get in there, it's like everything gets colored. And I remember a, a, a few months back, or maybe it was last year, we, did the, the, we spoke through the, about the, the, the kindness challenge. And how if there's someone that you particularly don't get along with, really dislike... To try to take 30 days and say, okay, for 30 days, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to kick out any, any negative thoughts I have towards that person. I'm going to stop saying anything negative about that person or to that person. I'm not going to say anything negative about him to anyone. And, and just try to do that. Uh, for Sometimes a day is a tough, you know. But we get this inside of us and then we just have a, it's like everything gets colored negative in our lives. And this is what was happening towards Joseph. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him even more. And so, because Joseph had this dream. He had this dream of sheaves of of harvest bowing down. So he and his brothers, they all gathered up the harvest, and and they bound them up in sheaves, and then all of his brothers, uh, sheaves bowed to his sheep, and so of course he's really smart so he goes and he tells his brothers about it hey you got we all had sheaves you know here's a guy who's a tattletale he's all saying someday you guys are all gonna bow out to you what do you think about that dream i had you know Isn't that cool yeah like I just slap his head right and then he has another dream and he says that, you know, there's the stars and, and the sun and the moon. And then they all bow down to me. See, I mean, she's not only are you brothers, but even mom and dad are going to bow down to me. How about that? That's pretty cool, right? And and then he's, you know all his brothers, verse chapter 37, verse 11. But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. So his father's like, okay, so I wonder what that dream means. So Joseph is one, he grew, grows up with his brothers can't say a kind word about him. His, his dad's his favorite. He's telling these dreams that make his uh, brothers hate him even more. Uh, and, and so he's, this is, the, this is the, the home that Joseph grew up in, constant conflict, drama all the time, people hating on him, but him being the, the father's favorite, which caused even more. And so all these different issues going on. Anybody got issues in their life? Family issues? happens so so that's the first one conflict conflict happens in the home but you might have conflict at work it might be a neighbor that you have conflict with you know there's we get conflict in all these different ways and sometimes we cause it um the last two places that where I've I've pastored in New York and in, in, in Hawaii, we constantly as a church had conflict with our neighbors. We were just a noisy church all the time. And we had meetings every night kind of a thing and all the time. And kids, and remember Bertina was there, we had youth meetings, so 75 high school kids in our in in, in, in our office. And the neighbors, you know, surprise, surprise, didn't like having 75 high school kids, you know, running in and out of their building. Um, And and so we got, uh, you know, taken to court and had the police called us and the fire department and sued and all kinds of stuff. So we just had conflict, you know, just this as a church. We're saying, we're just trying to do something good. We're just trying to help these kids, you know, and we're just trying to uh, preach the gospel to people. But conflict comes into our lives. This is one of the challenges that comes into our lives. Second one, rejection, okay? Rejection. Genesis chapter 37, verse 18 through 20. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. So now Jacob sent Joseph to his brothers and said, hey, why don't you go check on your brothers? Um, See how they're they're doing. So he sent them out to go. His brothers were out there taking care uh, of of the flocks and and, um, Jacob sent Joseph. As as he approached, they made plans to kill him. So I don't know how many of you have had your brothers or sisters or co want to kill you. But that's like, uh, that's a form of rejection. Murder is kind of like a form of rejection. You know, <laughs> so pretty heavy duty, right? I mean, this is like not just a normal mom, you know, he touched me and, you know, make him stop talking to me or whatever. This is like, let's kill this guy. And so, um. So here comes a dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father, a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. So they just had enough. We had enough of hearing of his dreams. We're all going to bow to him. We've had enough of him being, you know, dad's favorite. Enough is enough. You know, tattling on us all the time, making us look bad. It's bad enough that dad already favors him. But now every time we do something wrong, he's going to go and tell mom and dad. I mean, they just done with it, you know? They're, they're over it. Jude, but Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt so first here's what happened they're going to kill him all right let's go let's get out our clubs let's get our our knives and, and let's go kill him and then the oldest brother said no you know we he's our brother so maybe we shouldn't shed his blood maybe we should just put him you know we'll put him in the in in this well this deep well that he can't get out of and then uh he'll die but at least we won't have killed him you know they did that's not us killing him he just died of natural causes right so and and then but then Judas says well let's Let's at least get some money out of the guy. You know, we'll sell him to these traders. And, and, and all the brothers agreed. Yeah, this is a great idea. What a good idea. You know, sometimes the majority is wrong. It's not a good idea. And just because everybody agrees doesn't make it right. And sometimes we, we get into these, in, into these um, echo chambers, right, where, where we're just hearing the same opinions, and we've stopped learning how to think biblically. We start learning how to evaluate things by what does God say? What, what does the scriptures say? That's why God gave us the scriptures is so that we don't get caught in our own opinions and get surround ourselves with other people with the same opinions and then think we're okay because everybody agrees with us. And we see that happening in society more and more, especially with social media. Everybody starts to gravitate towards their tribe and the people they agree with because it makes us feel better. It makes us feel right when everyone agrees. And so, but here they all agree. Yeah, it's a good thing to kill our brothers. No, it actually it's a good thing to sell him into slavery. Yeah, good job. What a great idea. We're going to make money, get rid of the telltale guy. This is really good. Well, their, their definition of good was just way off. And it's so easy for us in our definition of good to get off. And that's why the thing you don't want to do is start making up your own moral code of good and evil. This is what he told Adam and Eve from the very start of mankind. And it's been the same all throughout mankind's history. What one group feels is, is right and okay. When we look back in retrospect, you think, how, how did they ever come to that conclusion? How did they ever think that it was okay to wipe out one whole tribe of people or one whole race of people? How do we ever get these ideas that, you know, because we look a certain way, we're better than somebody else or because we have a certain amount of possessions that makes us more morally right than anybody else. But if we get around enough people who think like us, we start to believe it to be true. That's why God wrote the scripture so that when we're when we're struggling, that we could have something objective to evaluate our lives by and say, okay, let's let's just break this down. What does the scripture say? And how does my life match up with that? So that we can begin to align ourselves. The majority isn't always right. And so you have to ask yourself, where where do you go to find acceptance? Where do you feel accepted? Where do you go to get advice, right? Where do you go to, 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 to get agreement? If you work in any organization long enough, you start to find those people who they'll go to one boss, and if they don't get, they don't hear what they want. They'll go to the next person, go to the next person. Uh, I, I know, like in, in uh, as a, a pastor in a church, we do a lot of just counseling, and and invariably, when someone you know go, comes to you and to, for counsel, and you tell them not what they don't want to hear, they go to the next pastor and to the next person, and the next person. And sometimes when we're talking in, you know, in a staff meeting or something and saying, did so-and-so so talk to you? Yeah, They, talk, they just talked to them, and I told them this, and you, you, they, they're just going around. Instead of really evaluating their lives by what the Word says, they're just trying to find someone who agrees with them. Right? Let's like kids with parents, right? If Dad says no, go to Mama. Hey, Mom, can I, can I eat cake before dinner? You know, just We're going to keep going, and if not, then we'll go to the neighbor, right? And say, hey, you know, is it okay? We just want to find people to agree with us. Agreement. So who do you go to for agreement? Acceptance, advice. Does the, are they people who give advice based on what the word says? Some objective level of moral code. All of us in our lives, you may not have that same kind of rejection like Joseph did where your brothers want to kill you or sell you into slavery. But all of us have walked through rejection. right? We don't get the job we want. Someone's not as friendly as we thought they should be. Somebody, you know, we get that FOMO, fear of of missing out. Oh, they all did something without me, you know. You feel rejected. You have that deep rejection that comes, if you know, boyfriend or girlfriend breaks up with you. I I remember when, you know, the girl I wanted to propose to said, you know, no. And I'm thinking, what? (laughs) Me? (laughs) You don't want to be with me? Just rejection. We don't get the job or the promotion that we wanted. All of us walked through these kinds of feelings of, of rejection or we're just not as, uh, as, as close to someone as, as we wanted. to. We didn't get selected for the team. But Joseph, not only did he get rejected, but he got, he got rejected and he got sold out. In other words, someone took the better offer. Someone said, well, I can get a little bit of money instead of helping you. I got a better offer to go do. this. This is a classic in New York. Everybody's like, oh, maybe I'll do that with you. What you know, maybe, what you're doing tomorrow night? Oh, this, okay, great, that sounds really cool. They don't want to commit. They're not going to say, I'll oh, see you there, I'll do it. It's more like, yeah, that sounds great. You know, uh, Yeah, I'll check my schedule. What they're really doing is saying, I'm just going to see if something better comes along. For Joseph, 20 pieces of silver came along. Now, in those days, they said a, a person's life is worth 30 pieces, 30 shekels. That's what was written in, in, in the, into the law, into the scripture. 30 shekels you're going to give for a person, you know, in, in exchange for a person. That's the cost. So Joseph was sold for even less than what the law mandated. Sold out. Rejection makes us feel devalued. Rejection makes us feel unappreciated unseen anybody ever felt un- unappreciated that's a pretty big case of unappreciated when people want to kill you but all of us to some level right we feel that we, we've all walked through that the third thing he walked through the third challenge was being punished this is a story now joseph right so he was sold into slavery and he was sold into a pretty high level of slavery. He was sold into the captain of the, 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 the Pharaoh, the ruling king of, of Egypt, which is one of the wealthiest countries in the world at that time. He was sold into the captain of the king's army. So that's a pretty high level home that he sold into slavery. In. And he begins serving in that home. Joseph was verse, uh, Chapter 39, verse 6b says, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. Good looking guy, all right? Uh, and, And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded, but Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held nothing back from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. And so the, the, the story, when you read the story, not only did, did Joseph say, hey, no way, you know, there's no way I'm going to sleep with you. I have too much honor. I honor your husband too much that I, to ever do that, to ever betray him in that way. And, and the, the Bible says that Joseph began to just avoid ever being in the home alone with her. And so Joseph just wanted to live a life that was above reproach and to take steps to avoid sin, even though sin was coming after him, all right? And then so one day he happens to be all the other servants are gone and he gets caught in the house with just with Potiphar's wife and she comes and grabs a hold of him. You know, she wants to commit adultery with him and he he just gets out of there and uh, she, she pulls off his his coat and, and he runs out, you know, and leaves the coat behind, takes off like he is serious about not uh, not betraying his master. He's serious about living a godly and a righteous life. But what what Potiphar's wife, does is, of course, she's rejected, and she's just like, uh, okay, he's going to shame me like that. I'm going to get him back. And so she starts yelling, and then she holds up his coat when, when the other servants come in and say, look, Joseph, he tried to rape me. And I screamed, and so he ran away, but I got a hold of his cloak. Here's evidence that he tried to rape me. And so now Potiphar comes home verse 19, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. So not only was Joseph punished, but he was punished for doing the right thing, trying to live a moral and a godly life, and now he gets punished for it. He goes from being a slave, which is pretty bad, to being even worse, now he's in prison. And so all those dreams that he had of someday I'm going to rule, Someday everyone's going to bow down to me. He's going in the opposite direction in his life. His journey is taking him the other way. And I don't know if you ever felt like that. Like, man, my life is just headed in the wrong direction. I'm looking, I'm, you know, I'm trying to live a righteous life and all I'm getting is conflict and rejection. I'm getting, I, feels like, I feel like I'm getting punished for doing the right thing. This is the path. This is the cha- these are the challenges that Joseph walked through. The path that God takes us through sometimes. I don't know if you can identify with any of those first three. When I read through them, I I think, man, I've been down that path. I I know those feelings. The fourth challenge that he faced was being forgotten. Genesis chapter 40, verse 14 to 15. And please remember me. So here's what happens. Here's the story. Joseph, he's in this prison. And it's the, the, the king's prisoners. And so two of those guys were guys who served the king and ended up in, in prison. Serving the king of Egypt was a dangerous job. If he was displeased, you know, prison was one of the better things that could happen to you if he was displeased. And so his baker, the man who baked his bread, and his wine taster were in, in prison with Joseph. And, and both of them had dreams. And Joseph interpreted their dreams for them. For one, it was bad. Uh, for the baker, it was off with his head. And for the, 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 the butler or the, the wine taster, it was, you're going to be restored. You're going to be back to, into favor. So Joseph is still interpreting these dreams. Now, it's interesting here, what that shows in Joseph's life is that he didn't get embittered by having this dream from God and then seeing his life go in the opposite direction. Instead, he held on to God's dreams to the point that he would even help other people Interpret their dreams. All the while, seeing this dream in his own life that he interpreted, but seemed like his life was headed in the opposite direction from what the dream indicated should happen in his life. But he trusted God and he continued to interpret other people's dreams. And so he helps out these two guys. And after he interprets their dreams, to the the wine taster he says please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you mention me to Pharaoh so that he might let me out of this place for I was kidnapped from my homeland the land of the Hebrews and now I'm here in prison but I did nothing to deserve it so everything that's happened to me is just other people doing things to me maybe he deserved a little bit of the conflict you know, with his brothers, but not being murdered and sold into slavery, and then going from slavery to prison, all for doing the right thing, all these things for, for trying to be an upstanding godly man, for serving well, and, and his life is headed down instead of up. Genesis chapter 40, verse 23, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. So I don't know if you've ever felt forgotten ever felt like ignored, unseen. You do people favors, you, you pour out your life for them and never uh, a thought of, of kindness. And so Joseph has gone through these major challenges in his life. And yet as we read the scripture, we see that Joseph was someone who in the end, his life ended up well and he triumphed in life and he ruled and he reigned in this life. And so how did he go from there? How did, what is it in him that caused him to succeed in life when it seemed like everything kept turning against him other than that dream that he had. So here's how challenges make champions. First of all, what Joseph did was he pursued God's presence. Acts chapter 7, verse 9, Scripture we read earlier. These patriarchs were jealous of their brother Joseph, and they sold him to be a slave in Egypt. But God was with him. And when you read through the 14 chapters in Genesis, that's a, a, a continually repeated uh, phrase. God was with him. And the truth is, like, like we, we shared before, God is with all of us. God promises never to leave or forsake us. But it's that awareness. When it says God was with him, it's actually talking about Joseph having an awareness of God and interacting with God throughout his life. He lived his life bringing God into his life, including him in his everyday life, his decisions. That's what it means that when God is with us, it's really that we are conscious of him. Genesis chapter 39 verse 2, The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. So even when Joseph was, was kidnapped and sold into slavery by his brothers, god was with him even when he was in slavery in egypt god was with him verse 30 uh, chapter 39 verse 21 but the lord was with joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love and the lord made joseph a favorite with the prison warden and so we see here joseph every step of the way no matter how bad things got whether he was being rejected by his brothers and sold whether he was in slavery whether he was in prison god was still with him and in every circumstance, he continued to prosper. He continues to succeed, even in prison. Why? Because God was with him. See, if you find your identity in anything other than Christ, when those things are taken away, then your identity goes down with it. If your identity is based on your position, if your identity is based on your bank account, if your identity is based on your job or your performance, the possessions or, or you know the, this personality that you put out there, if, you're, if your sense of acceptance and identity is based on that, then you're going to have to work to keep up, to keep everybody convinced of your personality. I got this charming personality. I'm just going to be charming to everybody. Yeah, you know, I'm the, I'm the best work. I'm the smartest guy. Then I always got to be the smartest guy in the room because that's my identity. Rather than my identity being with Christ, the one who never changes, the one who's always with me, who always loves me, who always accepts me, who always forgives me. So in my best days and my worst days, my identity in Christ remains the same. And that's what gives us then a peace in our lives and a stability and a hope in our lives is when we find our identity in Christ and how we find that is in pursuit of relationship with Christ. That's why we read the scriptures. So we encourage you to to read the Bible every day and to to, to take time in prayer. These are are the ways that we pursue God and the ways that we become more and more conscious of Him in our lives is by reading the scriptures, is by praying, is by being in fellowship. Being here like on a Sunday and worshiping God together helps to make us more and more aware of God so that in the times of challenge we remain Connected to God and we don't allow our challenges to define who we are When Joseph was in prison, he didn't define himself as a prisoner Rather he defined himself as a servant of God and he served well When he was a slave he didn't define himself as a slave He defined himself as a child of God and he served his heavenly father and so he was a man who lived with righteousness and integrity when the circumstances around him wanted to tear that down in him when his brothers rejected him wanted to kill him he found his acceptance in god and he maintained that same character regardless of his circumstances and so finding our identity in christ pursuing god's presence through the word and prayer and fellowship trying to be be like what we did in our red letter challenge trying to become more like christ in our lives and when we fail we pick ourselves back up we ask forgiveness and we we keep moving forward number two work diligently genesis 39 verse 6 so potiphar this is the, the captain of the king's guard Joseph's master when he was a slave. He gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. And was, everything was taken care of. Just had to worry. Don't want pizza tonight. Don't want rack of lamb. You know, because I know everything else is going to be fine. Why? Because Joseph is in charge. And when Joseph does things, he does them with diligence and excellence, even as a slave. So how are you doing in your job? Do you work like an owner? Do you work with excellence? Do you do everything the Bible says is as unto the Lord in honor of him, to do it in a way that honors him? Joseph did that in when he was a slave. Even when he was in prison, the Bible says, before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed, is that what your neighbors say about you? Is that what your bosses and co workers say about you? She starts with us just in our, our everyday lives, in practical ways. Do we live lives of excellence that reflect the kind of father that we have and the love that we have for our father? Do we work in a way that would be pleasing to the father because we work for him? Because our identity is as son or daughter of God, not as slave or prisoner. See, even in a job that we don't like, that was forced upon him, Joseph was literally sold into slavery. Wasn't getting a big paycheck, you know, no paycheck at all. Not a job, he didn't go you know, get some headhunter, find me a good job, and then, oh, bummer, it's not so good. And he got literally sold, he got literally sent to prison, wrongfully in prison. You feel like, man, I I hate my job. I I should have been promoted. That other guy got promoted instead of me. I should have got that other job. And we live with this bitterness that makes us not work excellently. Joseph, literally slave, literally, literally put into prison, still kept working with excellence. You want to overcome life's challenges? You continue to work diligently regardless of the circumstances. Look for God. Work diligently. Number three, believe God's promises. Psalm 105, verses 19 through 21. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams. Remember Joseph's dreams? Everyone's going to bow down to me. But instead, he's slave, prisoner. But until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Then Joseph set, the Pharaoh sent for him and set him free. The ruler of the nation opened his prison door. Joseph was put in charge of all the king's household. He became ruler over all the king's possessions. Why? Because he had always ruled well, even when he was a slave and a prisoner. And so when the time came for God's dream, God's purpose to come to pass in Joseph's life, his heart and his character were already developed and ready to step into that place of rulership and leadership. You wanna be a, a ruler in God's kingdom, you you wanna be a person of authority, um, then you start doing that wherever you're at now. You start living with excellence now, you start working with diligence now. Hebrews 11, 22. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. See, Joseph believed the promise. So he always saw himself, said someday I'm going to rule and reign. I need to start being that person now. And now as he's about to die, he says someday we're going back to the land we came from. He's telling his, his siblings and telling uh, the, the, his whole clan is saying, we're, we're going back. And, and I know that God's taking me back there. And I'm so sure that, that even though I die, you, take, you make sure my bones get back there because we're going back. Do we trust? Do we believe God's promises, even if they don't come to pass till after we're dead? We, we live beyond this lifetime. We, we live transcendently, knowing that our lives are worth more than just the, the years that we spend here on earth. And we serve in a way that serves a God who is transcendent. We live our lives that way. Number four, we trust God. Genesis chapter 41, verse 15 and 16. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one here can tell me what it means, but I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it joseph said it's beyond my power to do this but god can tell you what it means and set you at ease see joseph trusted god his ability to interpret dreams because as a small kid he interpreted a dream and even when everything all the circumstances ran counter to that he he trusted god's ability to communicate to him To not only give him dreams, but also to communicate accurate interpretations of those dreams. And so he knew, he had confidence that he could interpret Pharaoh's dreams. Because that interpretation of dreams that Joseph had and all the spiritual gifts that we have are really not for ourselves. In the the end, they're for others. Because Joseph was willing to walk through these challenges in his life. Because he responded to them in the way that God intended, with a, with a right heart, with right character, with a continued pursuit of God. Because of that, his life became a blessing, not only to himself, not only to his family, but all the, the nations of the region were blessed because of Joseph's obedience, because Joseph was willing to keep character, to maintain trust in God. In the face of challenges. And that's my encouragement to us as a church and to each of you as individuals is that whatever you're facing, whatever junk you've gone through or are going through in life, whatever challenges you are, to buck up and say, I'm going to pursue, I'm going to find God in the midst of my challenge. I'm going to seek after him until I know his intent and his purpose. I'm going to hold true to God's promises even when it looks like all the circumstances are opposite to God's promises. I'm going to trust that God's word is true and every circumstance and every other voice is a lie. That even if Jesus is in the ground three days, he's going to rise from the dead just as he promised. And that in a similar way, all of God's promises, God will bring them to pass even when it seems hopeless. Like Abraham who hoped against hope when everything seemed like it had failed. Because as we begin to trust God because of who he is, that he's faithful, that he's good, that he loves us. As we begin to trust God's character and his nature, then God can begin to do what he did in Joseph's life and take us through the the tough kinds of challenges that we'll face in order to become a champion. Every championship team faces huge challenges. Every business goes through tough times. But the ones that succeed are the ones that persevere, that say, I'm gonna keep on God's promises. I'm gonna keep believing God. And even though other people mean me harm, I'm gonna trust that my God is good and that he can work all things together for good even when other people are trying and other circumstances are trying to tear me down and that's how we live unsinkable lives that's how we begin to be champions in the face of horrendous opposition attacks when we do the right thing we get punished for it when we get forgotten for the good deeds that we 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 do when there's conflict and we get rejection Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. When you feel enslaved, imprisoned, trapped, rejected, so you walk with God, you're going to see God turn that around. Last verse, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Why don't we all stand as I read the scripture? Scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do. And he will show you which path to take. So we journey through life. We don't always know where to go. But if you'll trust God, if you'll respond to the challenges that come our way in life, if you'll seek his presence, if you'll trust His promises, if you'll continue to work diligently, God will meet you in those places. And not only will you be blessed, but the world around you will be blessed. That's why our church is called Every Nation. Because our heart's desire is to, to follow God in a way that others are blessed through our lives. You bow your heads with me for a moment. Father, today we come to you. Lord, I ask that you would uh, draw our hearts to you, that we'd be able to trust you, Lord, with all of our hearts. Lord, you know what each one here today is struggling with. You know the challenges that each one faces, whether it's just busyness or whether it's conflict or, or rejection, false accusations, being punished for doing good being forgotten, unseen. Father, I pray that in the midst of their challenge, they would find you. And that, Lord God, in every circumstance, Lord, we would do good so that we would shine as lights, even in a dark generation, a darkened world where so many do evil. Father, for those who've never taken that step to trust you with their lives, today, let today be the day, Lord God, when, when they would invite you in. Turn their lives over to you. Trust you. Ask forgiveness for, for the ways that we've all messed up, Lord God, the ways we've sinned, and come to you as Lord of our lives in every situation. Father, I pray that, that we as a church would, would turn our challenges into being champions. pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We pray this message spoke to you and built your faith. For more messages like this, visit our website at EveryNationTaipei.com. You can also send a prayer request and reach out to us anytime. God bless you. Till next time.